Now, an intense early summer heatwave has hit Europe. You've probably seen many of the headlines in the last few days or seen friends commenting on this on social media. Among the effects has been a huge wildfire in northeast Spain, breaking the all-time temperature record in France, which reached over 45 Celsius. Germany, Poland and Czech Republic also recorded their highest temperatures for June last week. Let's welcome on the line Professor Hannah Cloak, natural hazards researcher at the University of Reading in the UK. Uh, thank you for taking the time. You're welcome. Obviously, this is exceptionally hot, unprecedented. But on the other hand, we've seen reports that actually, if you look at the five hottest summers since around 1500 AD, they've all happened in the last five years. So just how bad is the current situation and the recent trend? Well, it was very disturbing to see those records being smashed um, by quite, quite a way as well. And so many of them going. It was very, very hot. And yes, we have seen in the last few years uh, the records being smashed every year. So um, a very worrying trend indeed. It's a bit difficult to uh, say exactly whether the last five years were the hottest because it depends how you measure it. But to be honest, it doesn't really matter because the trend is still there, the fact that it's getting warmer and warmer. Uh, Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you go back to the 1500s, let's say, the comparison is a little more challenging to make, I presume. How do you look at weather records from the the time before digitalisation and so on? Yeah, so we only have, you know, very um, more reliable records in the, in the last kind of, say, 50 years, 100 years. Uh, before that, we've had to rely on uh, other types of proxy measures. Sometimes you have a few measurements, but otherwise you have to rely on kind of written accounts or, or perhaps um, things like uh, tree rings or anything that gives you some kind of uh, other indication what the temperature might have been. Summer is known for being warm, even hot. That's what summer is, isn't it? But a heat wave is something that can become even a humanitarian challenge, especially among population groups that are vulnerable or who don't have access to basic air conditioning, for example. And that is the case, I guess, in countries that aren't used to heat waves, like the UK. Um, yes, exactly, yes. I mean, um, we don't, yeah, we can don't you describe that for us? Definitely. Yeah, so, I mean, when it gets exceptionally hot and people don't even know what to do, so not only are their houses unable to keep them cool uh, because they have no air conditioning, uh, they tend to go out into the sun and not wear a hat and do physical activity instead of kind of resting inside in the shade. Uh, we have accounts of people leaving children and dogs in cars just because we're not used to the heat. We don't know what to do and what's sensible and we're not used to these types of temperatures. So not adapted to the heat at the moment, um, and clearly something we're going to have to think about. But when we do see deaths associated with heat waves, are they usually among people who are very ill already, or is it the case that uh, heat can claim the life of someone who was otherwise actually pretty robust beforehand? Typically, if you're vulnerable, so if you're elderly, if you're very, very young, if you're a baby, or if you are ill, you, you are more susceptible to um, to the heat, to overheating of the body, uh, but also things like pollution as well um, can affect you if you're ill. Uh, but of course, we've had um, quite a few deaths from drowning. So people try and cool themselves down. Um, and that's a notable trend. So unfortunately, people get themselves into trouble in the sea, uh, or they can uh, die from kind of shock from jumping into very cold water. Uh, so, you know, there are all of these things going on in the background. It's not just what you think it is, which is, you know, very ill people dying in the heat. It, it's much, much more complex than that. 
Let's get back to the climate side of this. The big question is, what is behind all this? Is it only global warming, or is this some sort of freakish weather pattern combined with global warming? It's very, very difficult to pick out one heat wave event, one kind of uh, weather pattern, and say definitely, yes, this is global warming. However, we're pretty certain that this type of thing is going to become more likely with with climate change. Um, we know that the extra heat that's going in is going to um, make make this worse. So. Um, make them longer, make them hotter, these heat waves. Uh, and we think the weather patterns are changing, becoming more intense. Uh, so we've got connections kind of from the upper atmosphere and the way that it moves around, um, controlling the way that heat waves develop. So very, very worrying. Um, uh, uh, lots of things to think about. Even climate models have been left guessing, we understand. And why is that? Why is it so difficult to predict, even though we know that the Earth is getting hotter? Well, it's, it, I mean, it's very easy, I suppose, to predict that the Earth is getting hotter, just that tiny bit of it. But the impacts of that on the really complex kind of atmosphere system, the ocean system, what's going on in the land, how it all interacts together. You know, even our biggest computer models can't do that properly. And we would love them to, and we're working towards it, but we're not quite there yet. So we have to make a lot of assumptions uh, when we when we do climate modelling. Um and we're getting, you know, we get uh, a lot of testing, some tests on current weather to see how good we're doing. So we have some confidence that they're getting the main trends right. But when you're doing this really complex analysis, uh, yes, we are still a little way off. So we can see some signal in them. So we know we have some confidence that there's, there's some signal in them. But yes, uh, we have a way to go. Another interesting detail that I saw was that the soil in Europe is becoming drier. Is that something that you've actually been looking into? Uh, it sounds like the early stages of desertification. Yes, it's obviously some of that's to do with the way that we're using the land. So our agriculture kind of destroys the natural way that the soil can hold the moisture. So if you have your natural vegetation, your natural forests, um, and maybe other types of grassland, uh, the, it, the soil is much more able to kind of hold the moisture through. If you have a lot and lot of hot years, uh, maybe your groundwater is going down a little bit uh, because you're using all that water up, maybe for irrigation, maybe for drinking water, maybe it's just drying up, then you're not able to sustain that kind of wetness in the soil, keep it moist. So yes, something that, something that we need to keep an eye on, definitely. Something that we also need to be concerned about, perhaps, is something you also touched on before, this air pollution issue. Is it, when it's associated with heat, is that really ozone levels or, or also particulate matter? Is that involved in the picture? It's, yes, it's basically everything. It's a soup of pollution. As soon as the temperature goes up, um, we've got kind of a high-pressure system keeping everything in place. Maybe you've got a city that is a bit like a bowl. Uh, the sunlight is making the ozone worse. It just mixes up into kind of this horrible toxic soup. So all of all of what you just said um, is going on. But we've had the increasingly annoying uh, fires burning as well across Europe, and so all of all of that's been making it worse. So not only the normal kind of pollutants that we'd see, but the extra kind of smoke particulates from the fire. Understand, but I guess it also depends on things like humidity. Because in this part of the world, actually, we get much worse pollution when the air is a bit drier. But uh, during these more humid summer months, the, the pollution tends to be slightly less serious. 
Yes, so it, it was very dry for a whole series of days. So, you know, cars were stopped. Um, dry People were asked to not drive their cars just to try and keep some of that down, which is a very sensible measure to take. Uh, it does depend on the other factors in the weather as well. Uh, we have a, a reasonable prediction of what's going to happen now. So there are European kind of monitoring and prediction services for pollution. So you can take some measures a few days ahead uh, to try and reduce some of the major problems. And then you can also tell people. So if people are a bit vulnerable to pollution, maybe they have some uh, issues with their breathing, then you can say, you know, this is going to be particularly bad. We think you should, you know, stay stay away from from the major city areas. Uh, maybe stay inside and take other precautions. Here in Korea, actually, many of us will have received an emergency text message warning yesterday that uh, today is going to be a particularly hot one in in some parts of this country. Is that the kind of measure that the government in the UK and France and other parts of Europe should be taking as well? Yes, and in fact, particularly thinking about France, where it was extremely hot, they have made great strides towards really improving their heatwave warning system. So there was a very bad heatwave a couple of decades ago, um, and it was that lots of people died. Nothing really happened um, to protect those people. And now we know that there was water stations. There were warnings going out, exactly things like text messages, but on TV, radio, making sure everybody knew what to do, you know, alerting hospitals, um, other emergency responders. So this is exactly what we need when when something bad is happening with our weather uh, to make sure the public and the authorities are are aware of what's happening. But there are longer-term factors, aren't there? Like if this is going to stick around, this heat wave experience, and maybe even become more extreme, that would require a change in architecture, that would require a change in infrastructure, the air conditioning issue I mentioned before that some countries just aren't equipped to deal with right now. You can't change that overnight. And if you are going to invest heavily, you need to kind of feel slightly more confident than the current climate models allow us to feel. Yes, and of course it's quite difficult to translate that science into action in any case. So even if it remains hot for the next five years and we have another five summers of heat, kind of getting that change into kind of policy, uh, into practice in kind of architecture, building design, uh, takes a very long time. So it's a really, really urgent problem, actually. We think this this, this heatwave issue is not going to go away. So really thinking about that carefully now is the only way forward. And of course, you know, here in the UK and in the rest of Europe, we suffer from many other natural hazards, flooding, for example. And, you know, so we have to consider all of these things and they're all changing in different ways. So really thinking about city design is the only way forward. We've been warned about this for decades, and, and here we are experiencing extreme weather on a more frequent basis. Professor Hannah Cloak from the University of Reading in the UK, one of the places that's been experiencing some heat of late. Thank you very much for joining us. You're very welcome.